Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. We've got a we've got a big show today. Well, lots to get to. Jam packed. Lots to roll. Um, Jam packed. And the the first thing in the notes is something that I didn't realize. Uh, Spencer put this in here. As of today. We have survived 120 days without the big three of the main sports. Football, basketball, baseball. 120 days. Four months. How's everybody doing? (laughs) And we've got, what, like 14 more days to go until baseball's back. Basketball is back like a week later. Then football, maybe... In a month, assuming everything stays on track, there's some unsettling rumors and discussions going on, I should say. So who knows? Yeah. And for comparison, you know, just to show that we can survive anything, London endured the blitz for 11 weeks. So this is this is nothing. This is just sports. We're good. Just sports. Um <laughs> So for those that were paying attention on the social media, I teased out something yesterday that I wanted listeners to be tuned in and aware of. We are doing a giveaway. Um, for those that have been longtime readers of Staking the Plains, you know that our man Travis Hale has written a, a novella, a short story, um, Dream No Little Dream, and we are going to give away five copies Um this story he he published i think pieces of it on the on the website on staking the plains but the listing um the book says explain the clash of cultures against the backdrop of such a seemingly barren canvas to those not familiar with lubbock texas and the south plains is difficult to do the city's traditional foundation is weakened from a constant barrage of sledgehammer swings from talented natives that the city would love to claim as its own but that's what makes it so interesting. The underlying tension that few can see and understand is always there, simmering. You'll never feel safer than when you're in Lubbock, but you can also hear the devils, the devils whispering in the wind if you listen closely enough. And it is that tension, that potent mixture of good and bad that I try to capture in this work of fiction. Gerald Robinson is a conglomerate of thousands of poor white working class men riding tractors or sipping coffee at a diner in a small farming community virtually anywhere in West Texas. It's a book about dreams, but it's also family football and the choices an old man must make. So again, those that know Travis Hale know he's a tremendously talented writer. He published his book a couple years ago, um, had the artwork produced uh, by Brian Don Carlos um, and we're giving away five copies. So to be entered, 
we we want you to follow us on our social channels. So you can follow us on Twitter at 23personnel and on Instagram, 23personnelpodcast. Um, and then from there, you'll need to submit to us um, any way that you, you seem you deem fit, whether it's on, on Twitter or Instagram, message us, whatever. S- submit us your favorite or most memorable game from Texas Tech history that is not the 2008 game versus Texas. I was, I was going to ask you this. Should we, are we opening this up to all sports or is, or is it just football? Let's do all sports. Although, so we're, we're, we are starting a, a segment in our, our football segment section in the podcast where we cover and discuss our favorite games from, from history of Texas tech most of my games will be from games from when I, I became a, a fan, which is, you know, relatively recently. I, I started uh, 2006, 2007 and on, um, although tonight's favorite, most memorable game is from the 30s um, because I, I wasn't I wasn't a, uh, a fan of Texas Tech before I, I became a student of Texas Tech. Um, but so my selections would be more recent. Michael uh, may have a little bit more expansion on the history there, but we want to hear, hear from you guys. What, what are your, what are your, some of your favorite games, most memorable games from history? Um, we're doing football, but feel free to enter baseball, basketball, whatever you have. Um, you do that. You, you follow us on social. You'll be entered to give uh, for us to give you one of the copies of dream. No little dream. Um, let's say you need to have your entries in by the end of July. So July 31st at midnight, cause we're going to do this for a couple of weeks and we'll draw winners and announces on the podcast and do all that kind of fun stuff. So like I said, you need to follow us on social Twitter's at 23 personnel and then Instagram at uh, just 23 personnel podcast. And then you can follow me punts suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Um, you do that, submit a favorite game, enter to win. You can also pick up a t-shirt uh, at teespring.com slash stores slash 23 personnel podcast. Um, you know, may- maybe we'll consider a purchase, a double entry. We'll, we'll have to figure that one out. But uh, for now, you do those things, enter to win, dream no little dream. We'll send those out beginning of August, get you prepared for the football season. Um, before we get into basketball and baseball, all that other kind of stuff, we had a couple of other, or um, a few smaller points to discuss real quick before we move on. Um, first up tech soccer, sixth year senior, Margaret Begley, um, was granted her sixth year of eligibility. She missed 2017 and 18 with injuries. She's a captain, a defensive mid or defensive back, I believe, um, anyway, she is granted a six year of eligibility, which is great. She's a, has been a big part of the team, obviously as a captain. So that's great news. She's going to be like 30 before she leaves tech. Fantastic. We, we, we can, <laughs> we can have our own branded wheat and I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so congrats to Margaret Bagley, Begley and Tom stone. Um, and then something else that has been kind of, it's been met with 
mixed reviews is that Texas Tech has re-signed an agreement with Under Armour for four years and they're going to provide I I can't remember exactly the number it's somewhere in the range of 12 million dollars 12.9 million dollars so Michael first off yeah Under Armour's made some interesting moves lately yeah, I was going to ask you, what are your th- Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Thoughts, one on that, and two of them trying to drop Cal and UCLA, which had just massive contracts. Yeah, um... <laughs> I'm not sure what to think of all that. I, I just, I think a lot of it's based on the uncertainty of the future. Uh, the, the, the good part about tech's contract is that it's only four years. So, and you know, everybody's pointed this out already. I know geo pointed it out too, but that, that way they can renegotiate terms if they need to. But the amount was so much less than what the mm-hmm. California schools were making. And then under armor basically, kind of pulling the rug out from them. Um, I know Under Armour stock has tanked recently. Uh, so I, I think everyone's trying to do the best that they can with such an uncertain thing. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have a huge issue with it. it. It does leave the door open for tech to renegotiate in a few years, but I think it's wise, honestly, on Under Armour's part to try to focus a, a little bit on, on a few schools and maybe quit doling out these ridiculous contracts to these schools that don't get the exposure that they expect. Yeah. Just so you mentioned their stock currently, their stock price is $9 and 61 cents per share over the past five years. They've lost nearly $33 a share per share. So they're down 77%. Not a company you want to be adding to your portfolio just at this time. Not right now, no. Unless you're looking to buy low. I mean, I don't know how much low that they're going to go. But um, yeah, so I've, I've liked the, the offerings from Under Armour. Um, it felt like they were kind of the end thing there for a little bit. And of course, being uh, the provider for, for Texas Tech, you see Under Armour literally everywhere here in, in Lubbock. But kind of the newness and the uh, 
the hype, the excitement around it has really faded. It's like, well, it's another year. Uh, supposedly tech didn't have any better offers out there. I'm not sure how, how strongly they were, they were looking to, to replace under armor. Um, but this is the offer they had four more years. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll continue to see under armor on the jerseys of, of our athletes. So their clothes are fine. I'm fine with it. They have bad shoes. I don't like their shoes. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, okay. Before we move on to the meat of the episode, everybody, um, want to let you guys know there is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in later July. MLB is coming back in a couple weeks. Right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and Bet Online has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout game gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. All right, Michael, you ready to get into some basketball? Bank it in, bro. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he's stepped back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top of Bullock and a crowd strip by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Colbert. Evans. Yes. Game over. Mooney with a crossover in the line. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into three. Going to puts it down. Ready. Odiasi. Throw bars it in. Got clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good. Colbert got the separation. Oh, big shot. Step it up big time. All right, so not a whole lot of hard news in terms of Texas Tech basketball. We did get, I guess, an inkling of an update on Jonathan Kaminga and his recruitment. Um, there seems to be at least one writer who is concerned that he may not be able to be collegiate eligible, college eligible. Um, and the concern there obviously is if he's not eligible for college and he's definitely not coming to Texas tech, he'd be going the professional route. All po- all signs really point to the professional right professional route outside of his brother attending Texas tech and the opportunity to play for Chris Beard and to compete at the highest level. So like I said, not really a, a big update there. Um, we, we were first kind of expecting a, a maybe announcement, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, and then Joel and Tomboy came out and said, no, we haven't decided anything. We're not ready to make an announcement yet. We're, we're still working through this. So 
that's the latest I've heard is that no real movement towards an announcement. Maybe there's some college eligibility concerns, but nothing of substance just yet. <clears throat> I had in the notes document. Yeah, I think it's less than 50-50 at this point. I, I think it's – it sounds like it's it's uh, pretty much leaning towards the G League. Yeah, that's, that's what it would seem like to me. I, I had some notes written down earlier about um, the VCU grad – transfer Marcus Santos Silva uh, still on track to graduate. And then we saw this morning uh, like his dad confirmed that he's graduating this week from VCU. So he'll be officially a grad transfer and his move to Lubbock should be soon following um, meaning he'll be eligible immediately without having to do any kind of NCAA appeals process. Um, the, the other two big grad, uh, sorry, the other two transfers at Texas Tech this year, Mac McClung and Jamaris Burton, are both still seeking eligibility. No rulings have been made on those, but at least one of the three pieces will be eligible this fall, assuming there's a season, um, and probably the biggest piece, right? Um, you, you get the help down low and, and the rebounding d- defensive side, uh, whereas Mac McClung and Jamari Spurton would help tremendously in depth with the guards. But I would say the most important of the three transfers in terms of production and um, their role in the team and how much they're going to contribute would be Marco Santos Silva. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, down low has been an issue. Uh, since Odiase has been gone, it, it's kind of one of those things we've said a lot. You didn't realize how much he did until he wasn't there to do it. So, uh, uh, you know, Holyfield's gone. Um, he wasn't a huge presence that we'd probably all hoped for. He did make a difference in some games here and there, but, you know, Ch- Big Russ is gone. Uh, so, yeah, the, you know, the, we didn't have a, a an experienced presence that really dominated that much last year. So I agree. This is one of the most important positions on the team that needs to be addressed. For sure. Um, for Michael, because I, I know he's a huge Spurs fan. The NBA is getting ready to restart. We, we mentioned that a little earlier, uh, looking probably towards the end of the month, July 30th is the date I've heard. I've seen uh, the restart's going to be down there in the Disney bubble or whatever they're going to be calling it. 22 teams, uh, nine from the east, 13 from the west. They will finish out, I think they had, you know, eight games on, on their schedule left. Um, they're going to play the, those eight games, and then they're going to, what they're going to be, what they're calling seeding games, so they can set the playoffs. The playoffs will be in a normal format, I believe. The interesting thing is, um, how they determine the eighth seed. And I was reading up on the, the NBA side today um, that if the ninth, if the eighth and ninth seeds are within four games of each other, they will play like a best of two series where the ninth seeded team will have to beat the eighth seeded team twice to take over their spot to go into the playoffs as, as the number eight seed. So the top seven seeds are moving on just fine. Um, if the ninth seed is within four games, they'll have this two game playoff uh, unless the eighth seed wins the first game. Uh, if not, if the ninth seed is more than four games out from eighth place, 
then they'll just take the top eight seeds and move on into their regular playoff format. Um, assuming, or, you know, assuming every series goes as long as it can, the finals could wrap up as late as October 13th, which is um, significant in the fact that the 2020 2021 season is projected to start December 1st. So you'd have basically six weeks off to get restarted, which is about how long, or, you know, it's, it's, it's been shorter layoff than what they've had now. You know, well, and and what's been interesting, what's interesting with that too, is just how it's going to coincide with the fall classic. Well, everything will be up and going in the fall, right? And like the, hopefully (laughs) if, if, college football and the NFL and baseball and the NBA are all going, you'll have two of those sports deep in their playoffs at at that point in October. Um, And then you'll have college football and NFL potentially like you could have major like major games happening every night of the week or, you know, well in the, in the NBA just, the NBA on top of that, it just so everyone knows we're kind of having trouble with our Skype connection this evening. If, if things seem a little bit even more off than normal, uh, we talk so, about, you know, if y'all we're perfect, if, if y'all give, if y'all know Bill Gates, let him know we're having some issues. The 23 pod guys could use a little bit better connection, but they're the NBA is actually, they're playing preseason games too. Mm-hmm. So those are going to start on the 22nd. I think they're playing which what, I doubt they're televised. Um, a small number. Say that again. They're playing what two or four of those preseason games? They're preseason, whatever they're they're considered. It's yeah, it's hard to tell. There's a there's about four or five per day, kind of depending on the 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 schedule I'm looking at. Just shows all of the games. So yeah, that would probably work out. But I mean, I was looking at the schedule when it first came out so get this july 30th uh first first game out of the gate utah jazz versus new orleans pelicans which okay i can the jazz have been pretty good lately but i can take her to leave them but the pelicans go zion they've, they've they've got her guy yep they've got zion so that's that's a that's a fun watch and then the second game Clippers Lakers. I mean, that's Ooh. practically your Western Conference Finals preview right there. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to fire it up. Um, so there'll be two games on that Thursday, and then that Friday. And both of those games are on TNT. And then the next day, there will be six games, three of which look to be televised. I don't think all of them. You know, I don't think every single game will be televised, but there may be just a way to get them. Um, but I think I wanted to that first Saturday, August first. There will be one, two, three, four games on ESPN. So just park it in front of the couch, Saturday, August first. It's probably going to be a hundred and nine damn degrees. Oh so my just gosh! Watch yes. watch the appropriately titled Miami Heat versus the Nuggets, the Jazz versus the Thunder, Pelicans, Clippers, Sixers, Pacers. Then Lakers Raptors that that could be a pretty good one too to to close on. But uh, Clippers Pelicans, I think that might be the best game of the day. 
do that. Anyway. Yeah, that would be good too. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yep. And, and as not as like a huge NBA fan since like 2010, 2011, um, a lot of the guys I, I've, I followed playing college ball or like are, are big time contributors now in the league. And it's, it's drawing my attention back in, into the NBA. And then of course you got the, the Mavericks who just, they, they tinker with their roster enough to be like, it always feels like a, like it's just a completely different team. Um, especially with, with Dirk having been retired now and they got, uh, Luca and now they added, uh, Kristaps Persingis. Um, that guy that beat that that we played that Texas Tech playing the tournament, uh, Jalen Brunson is on the Mavericks now. Um, I can't remember the team he played for. Was it Purdue? Or uh, well, Tech did beat Purdue, right? But who did Jalen Brunson play for? Dan's probably uh, I don't know. screaming at us. He played for Villanova. Did we play Villanova? We lost to Villanova. Yeah, we did a couple we years ago. We didn't play them uh, last year, did we? we no, we lost to we, them. We lost them in the Elite Jordan Eight. Gray and Keenan Evans and everybody. Justin Gray. Anyways, okay, so they, they won the whole thing, though. Yeah, they're pretty good that year. Um, so the NBA getting ready to restart here, about a week after the baseball restarts. We'll get to baseball here in just a second, but. Um, now obviously if you're keeping like a real close eye on, on NBA, you're seeing a lot of players are either electing not to, to rejoin the team as, as they're restarting or they're still working through, um, an illness or an injury or something. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting restart and you can say that for, for any, any, any sport, any league really. Um, but professional sports, professional, like major professional team sports getting very close to restarting. All right, Michael, let's talk about some baseball. Hit it out the park, my man. Left field, well struck, Desloni picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field. Time because all the tools are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren and into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven back deep to right. Kerstad to the wall. Off the top of the fence. Here comes the big foul. Cameron Warren's going to murder home from first. From the third is late. And the Red Raiders have reclaimed the lead. All right, so let's first start with some Texas Tech uh, news. Clayton Beater officially has signed with the Dodgers. If you'll remember, he was drafted in a compensatory pick, number 66th overall. Um, 
he actually signed a little above his draft slot um, to look the slot value for the 66th pick is a million dollars three sorry a million three thousand and three hundred dollars he signed his contract for just under 1.2 million so almost two hundred thousand dollars above his slot value um, which is not insignificant let's put it that way uh, also I think the other big piece of this is he is on the Dodgers 60-man roster which we know um, there will be no minor league baseball this year teams will will field a 60-man roster uh, and then that number will start to dwindle as they get close to the season and then once they start um, but then there should be just enough spots on what they call their taxi squad um, to accommodate anybody's on the 60 man roster to basically stay with the team, stay current with them in case they need to call them up into uh, some kind of action, which would be, you know, in a minor league spot. But Clayton beater is on the, on the Dodgers 60 man roster did officially sign with them. You may see some, uh, some Clayton Beater action this this fall in this sprint of a league resumption here on starting on the twenty third, because um, they are one of the first games to start the the baseball season. Actually, game two there are two games on the first day of July twenty third. First game is Yankees Nationals. That's going to be a great game. Giants Dodgers. Yep and that's a historic rivalry out West. So you've got uh NLAL East game, and then you've got um NL West matchup that first day. Um, and then the other thing so you said, okay, the first day is the 24th. So or is that the first day the, Ra- the Rangers play? The first day is the 23rd, but only four teams are playing on okay. the 23rd. The Yankees, Nationals, Giants, Dodgers. Gotcha. Basically, everybody else starts on Friday the 24th, including the Rangers, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a second, um, because I'm, I'm a big-time Rangers fan, and I don't care about the Astros. They suck. <laughs> All right, sorry. I, I, I want to make sure that joke landed, and of course, our Skype connection is, is on delay. So Josh Young, uh, much like Clayton Beater, he did make the Rangers 60-man roster uh, which is actually the Rangers' 50 man, 55 man roster when they first turned it in. So, even more impressive that Young was selected to be included in their their big league summer spring camp that they're going through right now. That they're doing that at the at the stadium there, Globe Life Field in Arlington. He's up there practicing, working out with the team. Um, the one thing I wanted to point out. The other early draftee that went alongside Josh Young to the, the to the Rangers, the Baylor third baseman, not on the sixty man roster. Ooh, ouch! Ouch! Uh, Wetzel or whatever his name was. So Young makes it. Wetzel from Baylor did not. So, because I know how much we have to get to into football, I want I, I want to go quickly through the the Rangers stuff. They announced their schedule. This week with everybody, Rangers play 60 games in 66 days. 
They have six days off and basically two and a half months of action. Um, and I think two or three of them come in, in, in July. Cause I think they get Good one gosh. day off in August and one day off in, in September, which is crazy when you consider some of their, their schedule and, and their travel too. So, um, in July, like I said, they start off a little, little easier. They start off at home. They have a three game series with the Rockies and they're off a day and they have two days, two games versus the diamondbacks also in Arlington. So they get a day off there. Um, but without having to travel, then they travel out West into California, take on the giants. So you'll remember that they, they played them in the world series in 2011. Um, and then they're out on the West coast for a while. Uh, no, sorry. They're, they're playing West coast teams. They, they play the giants and they, then they travel, uh, to Oakland to take on the A's and they play the angels, the Mariners. Then they go out to Colorado um, here's where, where the travel gets really interesting, right? Um, so they're at Colorado for three games. Then they're home in Arlington to, to play the Padres for two. And then they're at the Padres to play two. So within wow. <laughs> four days, they go from Colorado to Texas back out to California. They'll play, like I said, at the Rockies for three, then then home versus the Padres for two, then in San Diego versus the Padres for two, and then in Washington versus the Mariners for three, then back home, take on the A's, the Athletics for four, and they host the Dodgers. Uh, so they have a stretch there in August where they will go, what is that, 17 days straight with games but this does include travel to and from states of Colorado, California, Texas, and Washington. No days off. I like that. That's how, how is that the regional schedule that they came up with? So they're they're They tied each league to their opposite leagues, regional teams, their division. So the AL West is tied to the NL West. The NL West is the the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Giants, Padres, and the Rockies. So the Rangers will play everybody in the NL West four times, and they'll play everybody else in the AL West ten times each. So does that make sense? Yes, I, okay. I think so. I mean, it just seems kind of – I know they were going for a more regional schedule and – you know, heading out to Washington and California and does not sound very regional. Well, cause it can be avoided, I guess. Yeah. The, most of those games are, they're, they're playing teams that they would normally play anyways, that they'd make the travel for because their division is, you know, the Rangers and the Astros and then everybody else. It's the, you know, the angels, the athletics are both in California and then the Mariners are up yeah. in Washington. Um, Another team that regionally doesn't make sense to fit, like we talked about with the, the Cowboys playing in the NFC East, where maybe the NFC South would be a better fit for them. A lot more interesting. Correct. Com- Competition-wise, too. Uh, and then September is where it gets really interesting because, as we talked last last time, the 60-game season is obviously going to be more of a sprint. Um, so they play, they play 26 games in September – and 27 days 
of those 26 games, 24 of them are against AL West teams. So you can go from last to first in a heartbeat because yes. well, here's the other interesting thing. They don't, they don't play the Astros until September and then they play 10 games versus the Astros in these 26 days. Uh, you play them 10 times. Ooh. You've got the Mariners four times, the Angels, let's see, th- three, seven times. Um, the, the only only weird thing is you've got uh, the last two versus the Diamondbacks in Arizona sandwiched between. So you'll be at Houston, and then you'll go to L.A. to play the Angels for four, and then you'll kind of work your way back and get to Phoenix and play the Diamondbacks for two, and then home for the final four versus the Astros, which is a great way to end the season, especially if you're somehow still competing um, for a playoff spot to take on the Astros or competing to, to knock them out of the playoffs. Does, does does September look like that for almost every team? Or is there good? I mean, I would imagine it's not just for the Rangers. I'd imagine there's a lot of that's just kind of how the schedule is going to shake out is there's going to be a lot of interdivisional play for everybody in the month of September. So you may have, you know, you may be swapping positions every three or four days. Who knows? I, I mean, it, it could be like every every few hours. <laughs> That's true. Depending on when the, uh, other other at the games. End of every game. Oh yeah. well, you know, the, the Rangers have dropped to second now, <laughs> and they didn't even play a game, or they dropped from first to fourth <laughs> without playing, or they they've yeah. risen from. They haven't played a game in three hours, and they dropped three spots. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would assume I, I haven't gone through everybody's schedule. I would assume everybody's kind of backloaded like that. And they get a lot of divisional play to end the season, which then obviously makes the last month of the season super important and super intriguing to watch and keep an eye on. Um, just because of how much movement you could get. Like I said, like the Rangers are playing 26 games in 27 days. 24 of those are against divisional opponents. So you get almost half of your season done in, in three weeks or almost four weeks. Could be a lot of movement. Quite a lot. So excited for that. That one actually starts before the NBA. Uh, we'll see... Like I said, the first games will be the 23rd. Rangers play on the 24th. They actually have two games versus the Rockies that are considered summer camp games on the 21st and 22nd. So the Rockies will come into town a few days early. They'll play a couple of scrimmages, basically. Then the season will start on the 23rd. Rangers will open up Globe Life Field on the 24th with three more versus the Rockies. So, um, with that, I know that was a lot of baseball or a lot of Rangers talk, but let's talk about the, the Tigers of yeah the Cooper Little League Modified T-Ball Division. Um, because, you know, I'm a big, yeah, how, Billy Chapel fan. How are your fan. Tigers doing? Oh, we are terrible. We are seven games in. We were, the first, ga- we were the first team to get to seven games, so we, we had a very front-loaded schedule. Um. And I was really optimistic after leaving the first game, even though we lost. I was like, we're not going to lose every game. Um, we are 2-4-1 and one after seven games. We tied the worst team in the league that st- statistically we've played with all the things that this little league tracks. They were the worst team we played. We tied them. I was like, great. We are, <laughs> we are regressing. Um, 
here's the thing though. It's been, it's been a struggle on the kids because we keep having more and more players quit the team. Uh, we had one quit yesterday morning actually, because there was a, and not a player, but family members of a player that tested positive for the virus. Um, and then in good conscience, I wanted to tell everybody, Hey, I want to let you know we had a family member of a teammate test positive. The teammate is, is fine. No, no symptoms. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. They tested negative. They haven't been around anybody since they think they were exposed. There was a couple days even before their suspected exposure before the, like when they last were with us. So there's a pretty good window there between last time they were around the team and when they think they were exposed at least four days between them playing with us and them starting to show symptoms. So there's a pretty good window there that they were away from us when it happened. Well, one of the moms says, that's just too close. We're going to, we're going to pull little Johnny. It's like, Oh no. Okay. I was like, does it, would it help to tell you that like all the things I I just laid out? She's like, it's just, we just don't want to take this risk. We don't think it's very prudent. I was like, okay, well, you'll need to let let the league know. And so I let the other, other coaches know. I was like, Hey, um, so this brings us down to a roster of seven kids, which is scraping by. We, we have to have six kids to play a game. Uh, one of our players, technically still on quarantine protocol. I, I have to get, I have to get official ruling from the league of what they have to do before they can rejoin us. And then one, one player who I knew was going to be out for, for a while is traveling. So technically we have five players right now. So I, I email the league. I, I call the league office and I'm waiting for the response, but it's like, Hey, we're, we're down like five players right now. We have to have six players to play games. Um, and we can borrow players from the teams that we're playing, but we're also not the only team dealing with this kind of sure, thing. Sure, yeah. So I was like, hey, at what point does our team get dissolved? Because I, I I can speak for, for my son and a couple others on the team. Like, if our team gets dissolved, we would still have at least a couple that would still want to play. Um. And I know that would, you know, that would sure. throw off the schedule that, you know, the teams that were scheduled to play us would just get those wins added on as forfeits because the Tigers no longer exist. But I have Tigers players that want to continue playing this season. I haven't heard back yet, but yesterday, man, I, I was frustrated. I was like, we are, we are probably skirting by, like we're, we're probably really close to losing our team. Um, and it's, just, it's not anybody's fault, but it's also not in my control either that I'm close to losing no, a team. And you've, it, yeah, and you've got a kid that wants to play that's still hoping to play and you want to provide that experience for, I mean, not just your son, but for everybody. And then on top of that, you've got to, we're about to have, what, seven days in a row hundred plus degrees. Yeah. So got to factor that in a little bit too. Well, so 
because our schedule was so front loaded, we last played on the second or the first, I believe. Our next game isn't until next Thursday, the 16th. We have like two and a half weeks off. Um, now, not every well, that kind of timed out pretty good. <laughs> it did because the, the one player should be able to complete their, their 14 plus day, whatever, and be able to rejoin and only miss one game in that stretch. Um, and I know other teams in the league are, are returning to play this week. They came out with some new rulings about who all has to wear masks now, according to the Dan Pope, Lubbock mayor, uh, executive order, all that kind of stuff. Well, Sorry, not Dan Pope, uh, Greg Abbott. But yeah, not not Josh Abbott, not Josh Abbott. Although I'm, I'm sure he'd like to be the governor. Um, but yeah, so we're down to seven players. Not sure how much longer we're going to have a team. So we'll we'll see, man. Well, good luck to you. I know it's I know it's been a mess, and it, it was kind of going to be crazy from the start anyway. But uh, it just seems like it. Every time I talk to you, it, it gets a little bit more, uh, more wild and harder to to manage. But hey, I wanted to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Maybe this will make you feel better, Spencer. Maybe maybe you should head over to BetOnline.ag. Throw some throw some cash on some Phillies. <laughs> you never know. Anyway, uh, there's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world's slowly making its way back. We've already talked about the NBA coming back and Major League Baseball. Uh, Both of us are really excited for both. You know, UFC's already going, boxing, NASCAR, soccer have resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Do you need more? They have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. Yes, that's correct. You can bet on simulated sports, which sounds crazy, but also pretty interesting and entertaining. So anyway, is that like uh, Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag and your computer or mobile device. Join now to receive your welcome bonus. So you get a welcome bonus if you join right now at betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. So is that like betting on esports? I don't think <laughs> so because esports is at least played by people. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to go place a bet on my boy playing Madden 2020. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my understanding is that it's, it's computer versus computer and then... I don't know. I need to look into that because I'm just kind of I'm kind of curious myself. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I don't think it's two people on a controller. I, I think it's CPU, CPU versus CPU. That feels like electronic slots. Mm, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I need to ask you a question. Have you been known to scream from the bathroom as you cut yourself shaving? Yeah. Well, thanks to Manscaped for turning our loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Men, start taking notes because Manscaped accents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their obviously their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safety technology. 
so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, and they spent over 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you about this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Let me just say 90 minutes. You're not, you're not keeping up with maintenance there. Um, water, 90 minutes is a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. Water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim. Let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. It's armchair, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair. 20% off free shipping, manscaped.com. Use code armchair. Your balls will thank you. So, Michael. Dude, that was that was great. With that, let's talk about another kind of ball. Let's talk about some football. takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath Derek Ward, breaks the tackle, still running up the sideline, turns on the juice, touchdown. So Harold in the shotgun. From the 28, the throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's going to have a Red Raider. Unbelievable. Touchdown. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. All right. So biggest news of the week, of the summer, of the offseason, Patrick Mahomes signs a half-billion-dollar contract extension. Half with a B, a billion, billion with a B, my dollars. Friends. Now the highest, he's, most, he's the half a billion dollar man, richest professional sports contract in the history of U.S. sports. Ten years worth an estimated hundred or five hundred three million with all the incentives. Um, it's four hundred and seventy seven and guarantee mechanisms and gives the ability for Mahomes to have. Out if the guarantee mechanisms mechanisms aren't exercised, no trade clauses. That comes from Ian Rappaport. So, since this news came out on Monday, literally lining basically every sports talk, radio, TV show, every segment, talk about Patrick Mahomes, and it's been fantastic. Dude is getting paid. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've heard a negative comment yet about he's paid too much and I think part of it is because while this contract is super rich for Mahomes it also is very team friendly and allows the team to maintain pieces around Mahomes he even went on to say in one of the interviews that you know you don't want to be the guy that takes up all the money 
Uh, you want to be able to have guys around you. And that's what I was trying to do. But still, like I said, is getting paid. The, um, the contract structure, the payout on this thing is fascinating to me. So he gets a, a $10 million signing bonus this year. Uh, and it, it, there are still some, some pieces of his current contract where he's going to make something like $40 million next couple of years, whatever his base salary in 2020 is 825,000, both the signing bonus of 10 million. Um, next year, 2021 signing or his base salary is 990,000, but this is when the roster bonuses starts kicking in. And this is, um, a payout that he receives if he is still on the roster. So starting in 2021, it's $21.7 million. So his salary for 2021 is $22.8 million. Oh my God. 2022, let's just say his take home pay goes up to 29.5 million. Essentially 2023 jumps up to 40.45 million drops down a little bit in 2024 to 30, just under 38 million. Then goes up to 42 million, 42 million. If he's still playing for the chiefs in 2027, they haven't renegotiated this contract. He's set to make nearly $60 million that year. I, um, I I love it. I'm with you. Absolutely love it. It's a, it's a crazy amount of money, but he's a crazy talented, uh, generational talent really um we got to see it firsthand i've said this every time i don't know if i saw this coming of you know watching pat mahomes play at tech i don't know if i saw this but i knew that he was a really talented player and just seemed like he was he was made for the next league but this is just surreal. It's incredible. He's going to be able to buy so many shoes. I, I couldn't be happier for him. <laughs> well, and I'm just, I'm just thrilled. And this is outside of any kind of endorsements too. This dude's going to be, he's going to be stocked. Yeah. He's going to be sought after. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I, I did notice that Kirby Hokut posted a picture on Twitter of them playing golf together today. I was like, is he already hitting him up for, for money? Cause let's, let's just, let's remember his contract doesn't pay out the $500 million up front. <laughs> let's, uh, let's not just go. Yeah, that's true. He's begging him for money just yet. No, they're just, they're, they're just, uh, they don't want him to forget him. <laughs> I saw somebody's like think today on this, the Randy Moss, mm, Randy, yeah. sorry. I, I think we, but uh, Randy Moss had an interesting thing today where he said that uh, in his prime, if he would have played with Pat Mahomes, he thinks he would have caught at least 30, 30 touchdowns. Which he played with Tom Brady in 2007 and set so, the yeah, record at 23. So 30 is not a whole bunch off. Um, and he, he, he said something like, if, you know, if I had a, a, a quarterback like Mahomes that could get me the ball downfield uh, like the way that Mahomes can – I could have scored 30 touchdowns in a season. And I, I don't, I don't think that's so much a shot at, at Brady as saying just their talents are different. And Mahomes has, has got the, the arm talent to hit receivers accurately deep downfield. And that was a big part of Moss's game it was, it was, you know, he was a terrific deep threat, six, four, almost six, five, and just made everything look easy. So, 
Pat Mahomes getting paid. Congrats. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Um, okay, let's, let's talk about some, some Texas Tech news, some specific Texas Tech news. Not that Patrick Mahomes isn't because he's brought a lot of good publicity, publicity to Texas Tech and Lubbock the past couple of days. Because um, along with that, they're, they're showing a lot of his, his college highlights too. Like, yeah, I, I remember when he was dropping dimes in 2016. Just don't look at our defensive stats and how he managed to go 5-7 and seven that year. Yeah, it's it's depressing. <laughs> like we had Patrick Mahomes and only won five games. That's that's how bad the defense was. Um, yeah. So news came out this week. Texas Tech has declined to put single game tickets on sale uh, during the last week of July, as they usually do. Uh, and when you look into it a little bit more, it makes a little bit of a little more sense than just like you know they're not sure if they're going to have a season. It's more that they've sold. Uh, you know, the 23,000 season tickets and they've got the reserve uh, for the student seats last season. They, they held 13,000. So that puts, you know, 36,000 seats basically sold um, within a stadium that holds 65,000. So they're already over 50% capacity. The easiest one to, to reduce there would obviously be the student seats. But they wanted to hold, hold hold tickets back in case they were going to need to hold, you know, the Jones at 50% capacity, not oversell them and have to figure out, okay, who of these people that have bought tickets now can no longer come to games? How do we make that decision? So right now they're holding off on selling single game tickets to help avoid any kind of weird, awkward conversation in the future. Um. But yeah, right now, like I said, they, they're they've, they're they're committed at like thirty six thousand seats, um, and I'm sure once they turn on single game tickets, they'll be able to, to fill up the rest of that stadium. But just trying to make sure they're not overselling. Yeah, and one of the other updates on now that it's all mobile ticketing, they did mention that if all else failed, if your phone died or if you lost it or you broke it or whatever happened. <laughs> the screen's too cracked. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, that can happen. Uh, you could show ID at the box office at the stadium and they'll print you a good old fashioned paper ticket. So that, that was kind of one of my worries was just things tend to happen to you, to people's phones sometimes. And I hate to rely completely on that for, for everything especially if i've driven from houston or dallas or whatever and then you get there and you uh, realize that you can't get, you actually get into the game yeah that yeah something weird happened with your phone <laughs> but anyway that that was something that was kind of good they had some other good updates there so texas tech look for that on their website they had some good updates on mobile ticketing but most of it's what we covered last time other news is that a LSU defensive back grad transfer, Eric Monroe, had announced his un, his commitment, intentions to transfer to Texas Tech this past week, or I guess on the 27th. Eric Monroe was, he will be a graduate transfer. He played in 29 games for LSU. 12 this past year as a junior, um, was pretty lightly used. They, of course, you know LSU is known for having just stacked defensive backs. Um, was a high four star. S- some services consider him a five star recruit out of North Shore in Houston. 
chose the Tigers over Texas A&M and obviously a bunch of others. He redshirted his freshman year, uh, then sophomore year. His redshirt freshman, sophomore year was just plagued with nagging injuries. Um, but yes, Eric Monroe, defensive back, transferring into Texas Tech, will be eligible immediately. Um, 5'11", 209. It's a pretty good size defensive back. Yeah, and and thanks to Kevin Cosgrove, uh, he's you know Tech's linebacker coach right now. He spent the 2019 season in Baton Rouge as a defensive analyst. So I know that some of us have made fun of analysts over the years, <laughs> but hey, Tech got one that had built a close connection with uh, with Monroe, and that's pretty much exactly why he's here now. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be good to see him out there. Um, maybe we won't have a converted tight end playing safety or something. Maybe we'll have an actual safety playing safety. So, so. Um, and, pretty and excited about that. A talented one at that. Um, update that we've last heard, the 23 players and staff uh, who have initially tested positive are all considered recovered or recovering. It's good that they're on the path there, getting better. Um and then a little bit of like head scratching news. Wide receiver Caden Leggett was arrested for street racing. Apparently, he was on the loop or something yeah. on the highway. Uh, had some kind of drawn out map on a napkin or something. And <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's just a weird story. Um, grateful. It's not like Title IX related, but also just kind of like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, and also grateful that it didn't result in an accident or anything awful yeah, with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's more just of a head scratcher than anything. I'm, I'm not sure what. <laughs> come on, come on, man. <laughs> I want to know what kind of car he has. Yeah, now I do. Yeah, it's like, what do you, what do you think you have that you're going to be street racing in? Yeah, if he's got like a platinum F250 GTFO, <laughs> man, just <laughs> <laughs> go go pull a cattle trailer. Don't don't be racing on the loop. He's rolling coal, man. Uh, one more point before we get into the 2020 season. Uh, we mentioned this last time, but Baron Morton uh, did compete in the Elite 11. He ended up finishing 10th out of the 20. Um, and I had some stuff from the 24-7 guys that were, were covering it. They said uh, Morton made a big move in the recent 24-7 sports most recent rankings update and showed why this week at the Elite 11 camp. Texas Tech commit has an athletic, projectable frame and has more arm talent than we had initially anticipated. He can make all the throws, and as he fills out, he should continue to improve his arm strength as well. The Eastland Texas native is currently the number 10 ranked pro-style quarterback. Obviously, that's going to be moving up in a little bit. And then Charles Power, the 27 sports national recruiting analyst, said he might not have had the best, he might have not had the highest points of some of the other of some of the others that were competing, but Morton showed well over the course of the week and never appeared to struggle coming in as a five sport athlete from a small school in West central Texas. You might expect Morton to have an adjustment period to the drills or competition. He'd see in this setting. That was anything but the case. Morton showed fluid movement skills, a consistent delivery and above average arm talent relative to the group while turning in good showings in each drill. Um, so the number 10 ranked pro style quarterback, I think it's now projected up to number five. Um, 
at least that, that, that's how he was listed in, and when I, I checked his recruiting profile, prior, number five pro style quarterback in the recruiting class, number 17 recruit in the state, and number 104th nationally. Those are all projected to be improving once they update the rankings following this Elite 11 camp. So Matt Wells getting his first quarterback commitment, uh, his first true commitment. Let's not let's not downplay the the effect. Um, and the, the impact that Donovan Smith was going to have coming out of friendship, but let's be truthful here. His dad is a coach on staff, so likely wasn't going to be going anywhere else. Not that he wasn't talented enough. It's, it's kind of a weird <laughs> line to balance there. Donovan Smith is definitely a, a division one quarterback, but um, Baron Morton is, could be considered Matt Wells first true quarterback commit uh, without any ties to the staff. So got himself a good one. Still, you know, will be here maybe um, late fall. I, I heard he, he could be a um, an early graduate. That's still a possibility. And when I say late fall, I mean like December. So not <laughs> early winter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he would be here for the spring. So, you know, just a little bit after Donovan Smith. Um, could get really interesting next season in the quarterback battle. Uh, but let's not forget that we still have uh, Alan Bowman and Maverick McIver currently on campus competing uh, before we start turning to Donovan Smith and or Baron Morton. So, One of the things that was most impressive to me about Morton was in, in all of all of these guys that they they performed this well and impressed this many people during a pandemic they still managed to keep up their uh, I mean they they maintained their workouts they were obviously training and everything this this whole time I mean it's that that's just really impressive and that just shows kind of the work ethic of all these young men who are there but yes I mean like you said having just a with no ties to the program really or no direct ties and then have him perform this way and get this kind of notoriety. I mean, it's, it's a good look for Texas tech and, and it's a good, it's a good get for, for Matt Wells based off everything we've seen. Mm-hmm. We'll have to compete once he gets here for sure. Yep. Like I said, he'll, he'll have Alan Bowman, Maverick McIver and Donovan Smith who have been on campus for, for a while. Learning the system, working out with the team, getting reps um, before Morton ever steps on campus. Okay. So, Bill Connolly writes for SB Nation, does his big S&P Plus uh, preview and projections, has released his 2020 schedule and projections for Texas Tech. Before we get there, I want to give a little bit of context about just how accurate these things can be. I went back the past three seasons, and, and not because 2016 showed some kind of weird statistical anomaly where it threw off all the numbers, it's just I went back three years. I felt like that was enough. Um, and I, I looked at four categories. So the, the S and P plus ranking, uh, where he projects the team will be and where they finish at the end of the year, number of wins. He says they're going to win uh, games are going to win where the offense will rank and where the defense will rank. Um, and without boring you with a whole bunch of numbers, I'm just going to look at the, I'm going to tell you the average deviation from the projections. So, when Bill Connolly says you're going to hit this ranking in the S and P plus, 
Texas Tech has generally overperformed that ranking by about seven spots. So for 2020, he projects an S&P Plus rank of 59. Standard deviation here, probably you were going to be within five spots either way of that. Historically shows you could be up as high as seven spots ahead of that. So in the low 50s. Wins um, is another thing. He's He tends to over value wins and this may be a small sample size going on only off of three years here but almost a full win lower than his projections got a 0.8 from where he projects to where the actuals 2020 projected wins 5.8 so whereas that looks a lot closer to six wins historically he's about five he's about 0.8 wins higher than actual to me that says you're probably closer to five wins this season than six Assuming, yeah. assuming you get the full schedule in, because the six wins is is including ninety five percent win probability against UTEP, ninety nine percent probability against Alabama State, and sixty five percent probability against Arizona. Your first three games, which are the three most likely to be chopped if they're going to start looking at reducing the schedule, which we'll get to that in a second. Offensive rankings, he tends to undervalue your offense. You. Texas Tech has historically performed about three spots in the rankings ahead of where he projects. This year, he's got the offense ranking at 44. Um, Last year, he projected you at 28. You finished at 39. So he's projecting a little bit lower than than how you finished last year. Defense, he actually... um, Gosh, I'm, I'm trying to remember how to read this again. He overvalues your defense if that's possible. You tend to perform a little <laughs> bit lower than his projections. Let's put it that way. Uh, and, and not by much. It's, it's only about by two spots. Um, but he's projected you at 75, which is higher than, than you've actual performance in the past few seasons. You've actually been super consistent uh, in how your, your defense is ranked in the S&P Plus rankings. 2017, you finished 88th. 2018, you were 81st. 2019, you were 83rd. Um, so within, you know, seven points, seven spots in the rankings, projecting you about 75, uh, which is about two spots higher than you would if all the other projections hold out. So 77, still in that in that same range. So 2020, he's got a projection, projected wins at 5.8 without going through a whole bunch of numbers. Your most probable wins are going to be coming from UTEP, who is his 130th ranked team, Arizona, his 78th ranked team. Um, and let's not forget, you're, you're projected to be his 59th best team, so you're, you're quite a bit better than Arizona. I think the biggest drop in Arizona is going to be Khalil Tate moving on to the NFL because um, he ate your lunch last year. Oh, big time. Um, and then on the, those two drives that were like 90-plus yard touchdown drives that just broke your back in the second half, um, your next highest probability games, Kansas is going to be up there. Yeah, you, they beat you last year, but there was kind of fluky. You, you shouldn't have been there in, in that position, at least. Uh, Kansas is, is Conley's 114th ranked team. You'll be back home this year looking for revenge. Arizona's at 65, like I said earlier. Um, and then your only other greater than 50% win on the schedule as West Virginia at 60%. Um, so that's, there's five, everything else 
considerable underdog. Yeah, cool. I mean, your your next closest is Kansas State. But it would be at 40%. At, yeah, that's at Kansas State. And you have not performed well in Manhattan in, like, history. So, um, and this would be with Kleeman in his second year. Everything else, I mean, it's a touchdown plus in his projected margin. The closest other one would be Baylor at home, but even that's a 35% probability win for you. Um, so without getting, you know, too far into all, all these numbers and projections and all that kind of stuff, conference wins, I think assuming you play a full 12 game schedule, I see you closer to the five win total than six. Um, and then probably start to field all kinds of questions about, well, I know it's only been two years, but it was Matt Wells, the right choice, especially when there were questions surrounding that when he was hired because of other candidates that were floated out that didn't get an interview that wanted an interview, all that kind of stuff. So Michael, do you have any thoughts? I mean, it's obviously early, but you have any thoughts on these S and P plus projections? You know, I I hate how accurate Connolly's been, honestly, uh, for us, it's the, the biggest, deviation from his projection has been just the actual S&P plus rank itself. And he's only been about, about seven points off or seven places off on that. Everything else is within three. So it's not looking great. I mean, he's had some big deviations. That's how these, uh, you know, these averages have kind of averaged out, you know, 2018, he thought tech's defense was going to be 39th. They were 81st. <laughs> I don't know. 2017. <laughs> I don't know how he thought our defense was going to be so good in 2018. I don't know either. In 2017, he had no faith. Tech's defense was going to be 124th, and they actually were 88th. So that kind of shores it up a little bit. But I think he's fine-tuned things a little bit as he's gone. It seems like the further we get into his numbers, I mean, 2019, all of his numbers were close. They were so close. Uh, like, he projected I, the offense at 28th. You finished at 39th. Projected, he, he was perfect on the defense. Projected 83rd. Finished 83rd. Um, your team ranking at 61st. You finished at 54th. Um, yeah. He was two and a half wins off on his projections. He thought you were six and a half wins for 2019. And obviously, that probably included Kansas. That may have included Arizona. Um, you know. Well, that's even... I mean, I, I would almost say it's even more impressive because... That's under a new coach, mm-hmm. you know who who knew who knew exactly for sure what Yost and Patterson and Wells what they were going to be up to with with this personnel uh, on, in a new in a new place, uh, you know a similar system but new place, new people. I I think that he's I, I'm with you. I mean, the five wins is kind of that's kind of where I'm leaning. That's where I've been leaning for a while. Whenever I allow myself to think that we're going to get a football season. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, the Arizona one's not guaranteed. Mm-mm. Weird things happen, but it, at least it is a home game. And Tag does have seven home games this year, so that's helpful. So I've, I'm kind of leaning towards the the five myself. But uh, you know, my mind can change. We'll we'll see. Yeah, and obviously this is all assuming that Texas Tech is going to get 12 games in this season. Um, we've already seen one league postpone the season they, they haven't canceled it the ivy league has come out to say they, they're postponing the season uh they, they it could pick up some of their fall sports in the spring um 
did see somewhere that several Power Five conferences are exploring the option to play a nine plus one schedule. So there are nine conference games plus one regional group of five or FCS game. The interesting thing about that would be that the home Power Five school would be responsible for travel and making sure that the uh, the incoming team had all the medical testing and all that kind of stuff provided for them. Um, on top of obviously the 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 contract to play the games, I know some of those games are big payday to help float the FCS athletic department budgets. Um, but that seemed. M- that seemed unlikely in the scenario. Like if they're going to be reducing games, it seemed like that was going to be the most unlikely that they would just reduce down to a conference only schedule where you'd play your nine conference games. I don't know how that's any different than playing the nine plus one besides other than just reducing exposure potential by one game. When we're talking about nine games versus 10 and a regional team that's traveling in, you know, you're probably getting somebody like rice or SMU or, Sam Houston state or whatever it could be like, they're not, you're probably not playing New Mexico or New Mexico state. You're not crossing state lines or anything like that. At least here in Texas. Um, obviously we're keeping a close eye on this there. The more people you talk to the, the later we get into this, especially in the state of Texas with how things are going here. There's a lot of growing concern about just the state of fall sports seasons happening as currently scheduled. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that too. Um, the Ivy league is, as most of y'all remember, were the first to pull out of the, of March madness. And I think they got kind of railroaded cause there weren't a lot of teams that what was, was Harvard maybe going to make it. I don't know that they, they got kind of, uh, drug on twitter for oh okay well you're you're not going to the party that no one's invited you to that's <laughs> great but anyway then not long after that the whole thing was canceled so i mean they, they they sometimes seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve on this and so some other schools may start to follow suit I, we were talking about this in the slack chat the other day i, I think i would be surprised if just a normal football season happens um I, I really don't know how it can, to be honest. I think pros have a better shot because they're employees mm-hmm. and they can be asked to do certain things and they're making millions of dollars to do these certain things, whereas these kids are, you know, they're just scraping by a lot of them. So, and they're everywhere. They're all over the place right now. And you can't have them come back yet in a certain way. Or, I mean, th- I, most of them are back, but then there's, there's just still logistical issues with it. Um, so anyway, the logistics are insane. I can't see how it could happen. I think all it's going to take is a couple of presidents of some kind of prominent schools to say, you know, we're going to we're going to push football back to spring. You know, if if the OUs of the world or the LSUs or the you know the Notre Dames or somebody if they start pushing their weight around about, you know, well, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at changing something up. Then I think that it's going to start happening pretty quickly. And I really would be surprised if it doesn't, it's just not going to be a normal season. There's no way. Yeah. It feels like very much like, like what you were saying that it's just going to be a domino effect. Uh, and we've seen the first one with the Ivy league. Not that they 
play any kind of meaningful or impactful football, at least in this region that we care about. Um, they were one of the first ones to pull out of the basketball in the spring, and it may just kind of trickle and gain some momentum throughout the rest of the league. So keep an eye on that. Um, even though Texas is kind of dealing with their second wave, it seems like fall is going to be most likely time. Uh, obviously, as a flu and respiratory uh, illness and sickness diseases seasons come up, um, that's when the, the virus could could come back for a true second wave or however they're, they're considering that. But um, that would be, you know, right in line to disrupt college athletics in this in the fall yeah all right so something we mentioned way back at the beginning of the episode we are going to start looking at our favorite games from texas tech history i mentioned mine was going to be from 19 the 1930s and this all was spawned by um it was a tweet i saw i can't remember who who asked for it but they said what is one of your one of the most interesting or fascinating stats sports stats that just entertains you or amuses you every time you look at it. And I remembered this game. I, I, I learned about it a while ago, but the 1939 football game versus the centenary gentleman from Shreveport, Louisiana, this game, the gentleman, <laughs> the gentleman, this game sets and holds 13 NCAA records. It's, it's kind of, it's been dubbed the craziest game in college football history. 77 punts, zero points, 13 NCAA records. So oh my gosh. Let's let's talk about how a game that tied that ended in a zero zero tie house could be one of my favorites. One, if you look at the uniforms from the 39 Texas Tech football team, they're fire, dude. Like if we Those could, are solid. I I was surprised, you know, I saw this the the image that you posted one it's a really good quality photograph and two it just mis- completely misled me i thought well this obviously is not the team from 1939 this isn't pre world war 2 texas tech football is it? it it is it looks great those uniforms are awesome <laughs> the, the, it looks like much sooner there is a a uniform a picture i've seen of these uniforms in color uh, and I, I believe that Seth has it as one of the um, the, the header images for the website, or it, it, it's on second the plane somewhere. And I have to dig around and see if I can find it. But it's just it's a fantastic uniform. It's um it's red with white letters and black shoulders, and they have like vertical stripes down the arms on the sleeves. It's, it's a fantastic look. I like if we could figure out a way to bring these back as a throwback for one game or whatever. I would, I'd, I'd be pleased. Um, so yeah, November 11th, 1939 centenary gentlemen. Um, this game set more NCAA single game records than any other game played in NCAA history. Um, so if you're not familiar with, with what happened, um, this game was played with, they, with, with the, this article says very, very far from perfect conditions. According to the Weather Underground's historical archive, there were 2.23 inches of rain in Shreveport that day, making it the fourth rainiest day of the year. Um, conditions were miserable. Supposedly, they moved the game from a stadium to a field 
like a park, um, on a field of mud and in a heavy rain that made running and serial plays null and void, the gentlemen battled the heavier and rugged Red Raiders of Texas Tech to a scoreless tie. Reading the the write-up from the newspaper on this game, it's fascinating. It's it's interesting. Oh, man. I forgot where it was the other day, but I stumbled across some old school sports reporting from the 30s and 40s talking about baseball. It, it Yes, it is in, it's in completely different style of writing. It's very interesting. Um, okay, so how, how does one how does a game set a record for 77 punts? Let's, let's tell you what. Because of the way, the rain, the weather, I'm not even sure how this strategy come, came up, like was thought of. But they were like, screw trying to run the ball, screw trying to throw the ball. That They were playing the odds that they would punt and the other team would fumble it. And they'd either be close enough to kick a field goal or be able to scoop and score, basically. Um, so Centenary received the opening kickoff, returned it to their 13-yard line. On their very first play from scrimmage, they punted the ball. <laughs> so they set the tone. They set the they tone. set the tone early. <laughs> Texas Tech ran two plays and then punted the ball in third down. They said, uh, with traditional offense ineffective at best and dangerous at worst due to injuries and turnovers, of which there were many, the best option for gaining field position was to boot the ball downfield and hope the returner either muffs the punt or fumbles the ball in the return. Regardless of the absent proof of efficacy, both teams went all in on the strategy, punting a combined total of 77 times with 67 coming on first down. This means they said, nope, punting the ball on their very first play of their possession, 67 times. During, there was one stretch in the second half, there were 22 punts in a row. I bet. So back and forth, punt. Oh punt, my gosh. Punt, I, punt. I bet that um, all 11 people in the stands were just riveted. I don't know, like, what, if this kind of game happened now, what the reaction would be from the crowd, fans, from the broadcast booth, like, they'd be like, I'm not even sure what's going on. They'd probably send somebody out and, like, interview the coach on the sideline as it's happened. Like, what is going through your mind right now? Why are you punting on first down? Why because it's first to... down, and we <sighs> punt on first downs. Yeah. So, okay, of those 77 punts, 42 were returned, 19 went out of bounds, 10 were down, only one went into the end zone for a touchback, there were four blocked, and one was fair caught. Of the, four, of the ones that were returned, so the, of the 42 that were returned, 14 were fumbled. So 42 punts returned, 14 of those were fumbled. Six of those fumbles were lost. Um, but even when the hope, like even when the, that tactic of trying to get the turnover, neither team could close the deal. Obviously, the game ended in a 0-0 tie. Um, there were two field goal attempts in the game. Conditions made the kicking near impossible. Centenary, Centenary's attempt from the 11-yard line missed. On the last play of the game, Texas Tech lined up for a game winner from the 18-yard line. So both of these kick field goal attempts were with from inside the 20. Unfortunately, the kick traveled just 12 yards, rolling to a stop on the six-yard line. 
The game ended with 30 yards of total offense. And this is what's Chad. 31 yards for Centenary, minus one for Texas Tech, <laughs> and a 0-0 tie. With that, the age of the punt first offense was over before it could ever begin. Centenary would finish season two, nine and one, while Texas Tech would go on five, five and one. Um, so of those 13 records, here what they are. There are four individual records, most punts in a game, 36 by Charlie Calhoun of Texas Tech. Dude put some leg into this game. Most punting yards in a game, Charlie Calhoun, Texas Tech, 1,318 yards. Most punt returns in a game, 20 by Milton Hill, also of Texas Tech. These are all, all the individual records are held by Texas Tech. Most combined punt and kickoff returns in a game, 20, Milton Hill. The team records, most punts, both teams, 77. Most punts in a game, 39, held by Texas Tech. Most punt returns in a game, 22, Texas Tech. Most punt returns, both teams, 42. Fewest plays in a game, 12, Texas Tech. Um, This record's tied to the next one, which is the fewest plays allowed. Um, Fewest plays, both teams, 33. There were only 33 plays all game that were not punts. Um, so in total, there were 110 plays, but 33 of them were a run or a pass. Fewest yards gained, both teams were 30, and fewest rushes, both teams. They combined, and this, this, this era of the wishbone offense, these teams combined for 28 rushing plays. To, okay, to, to put some of this in perspective, too, you said Calhoun had what? 36 punts, 36 punts for 1,318 yards. Anthony Lottie with, with Wisconsin last year had 45 all season on the year. Yes. There were several, there were several punters in the forties. I was hoping that there would be someone that had in the thirties, but, but not, I think, um, Reese Burns with Louisiana had 45, Charlotte Connor Bowler at Charlotte had 42. So, so he, he kicked 42 times over a course of 11 games and our boy, Charlie 36 and one game, <laughs> 36 in one day. <laughs> so yeah. Um, if, if Gosh, you look, how much would your leg hurt? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, the weather just, I, I have a hard time even fathoming like what this weather would have been like that. It's bad enough where they decide they can't run any kind of plays but still conditions were fine enough that they didn't cancel or postpone the game. Right. Right. How is, how is the game not forfeited if it's that bad? We're just delayed. It seems bizarre. Hey, we'll we'll play in the mud tomorrow, but (laughs) let's get out of the rain today. Let's not punt 77 times. They didn't have a TV contract to honor. I'm sure they could have just, well, I think it would have been a much bigger deal if they'd have played on a Sunday though, back then. Probably. Yeah, I don't know if a Sunday would have flown, but but that was, it, I'm with you. It just seems like if it was that unsafe, if it was the field was that bad, if the conditions were that terrible, what referee didn't just say, okay, let's just let's just call this? No idea. So that's one of that's my first favorite game of Texas Tech history. Not a game I saw in person. Every other game uh, that's going to be on my list, I've I've seen it live whether in person or on TV, none of them are, are, are like recorded games and all that kind of stuff. So next time we'll, we'll look forward to hearing from Michael. Uh, we have enough games on our list that we'll probably 
double up going forward. We decided to only do one because of how much other stuff we had on the on the docket for tonight. Obviously, we'll have to see what some of your submissions look like. Uh, remember, we're giving away five copies of Travis Hale's novella, Dream No Little Dream. To be entered, you have to submit one of your favorite games and follow us on social media. Obviously, there will be some overlap, but we'll have to do some research into some of your games and, and, and talk about those as well. Yeah. Um, and before we wrap up, I've, I've got one last thing. We talked about it last week. As, as you guys know, we are part of the Armchair family, part of the Armchair Podcast Network, armchairallamericans.com. And uh, they want to do something good. They want to do something good for for people that uh, could need, need some help. So there is a scholarship. And following the senseless murders of Armand Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and countless other black community members at the hands of police officers, we want to ensure we do what uh, we can to make a tangible impact on the communities as we grow. Armchair Media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. If you've ever been dismissed as having a, quote, unrealistic career path, you know, if someone's kind of put you down for uh, your dream, something you're trying to do, if you've ever butted heads with parents or teachers because they don't recognize exactly what you want to do with your life, if you feared to express yourself or put your work into the world due to potential backlash, we strongly encourage you to apply. We recognize that there are creatives out there who may have bypassed college to pursue other avenues, who didn't get into college because their passions didn't translate to collegiate testing, or who did not have access to the financial means to pay for college. This is why there are only three requirements for eligibility. You must be a black creative, one. Two, you must be under the age of 21. And three, you must submit a project. Uh, It could be graphic design, photography, writing, audio, video, journalism, creative writing, anything in some sort of creative medium to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. Please send your your creative piece of work to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com and you will be entered to win one of four or $500 scholarships. As well as that scholarship uh, going out for those that are looking to apply, Armchair does have the opportunity for those that want to fund a scholarship. If you're looking to fund their own $500 scholarship through Armchair, we ask you to direct those emails to andrew at armchairallamericans.com. Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, at armchairallamericans.com. Help us fund even more scholarships uh, for those black creatives appreciate anything you can do to help out with that. Those are looking for the application for this. Remember to apply at scholarship at armchairallamericans.com and submit your project or portfolio. So Michael, with that, let's finish up, wrap up with what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. One big thing I learned, I, I just wrapped up a big project here at the house 23 personnel south hq built a backyard shed and it took you, you did man it looks fantastic you did a great job it it this falls this is classic spencer falls in the category of a project where i way underestimated how much effort and time this would take <laughs> i thought this could be a weekend project just a few days um 
and it's been, well, it took about a month from start to finish, but there is three weeks, but this was something that I spent probably two full days on to start. Um, and then a few hours here and there throughout the week, uh, or weekends. Um, so all in all, you know, three weeks time on the calendar, start to finish, but I have, um, 96 square foot backyard shed standing in my backyard. Now it is rain and weather ready, hardy. Uh, I got the sprinklers going again. My grass is bouncing back. Um, but yeah, it, it, it took a lot more effort and time than I was anticipating. Shocker. This happens with all my projects. Um, I'm super proud of it. I'm, I'm glad I did it. I have the experience and uh, learned everything from framing to roofing to building doors and siding and all kinds of stuff. Pouring a, pouring a concrete slab, all well, that. I, I had somebody pour a slab for me. Ah, oh, man. Well, I, did, I, I, I did not do the concrete work. But everything I else. I was trying to brag on you. I didn't know uh, that was no, going to backfire I, on me. No, I appreciate it. No, I, I, I had a contract. That was one thing. I was like, I don't know anything about concrete and I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And if I was going to do that by mixing bags by hand, it would have taken like 50 or 60 bags. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So I had a contract to come in. They set the forms. My neighbor was also doing like a, a concrete ex- patio extension in their backyard. So we, we were able to, to, to hit the minimum order requirement from the concrete supplier. Um, so we went in together and, and got that knocked out same day dried up. Then I had all this stuff delivered to the backyard by a local home improvement hardware store. Um, I had plans that I purchased online and then went off those plans and and built this thing up. It's not a shed kit that I got from the store. Um, I legit said I need 41 eight foot two by fours and so many 10 foots and so many 12 foots. And I need one by four trim and one by six trim and the T one eleven siding and the roof underlayment felt asphalt paper. I need shingles, which I got from the guys that did my roof last week to have my roof replaced because of the storms. Um, so anyways, it's, it's been learn a, a good learning project. Uh, I don't know if I'll do this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I said, it was, it was a lot of work. There are a lot of quality pre-made sheds, but now you know you can build one. Now I can know I, I build one, so I, I can build one. Um, yeah, it's 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 been it's been fun. Now, now I have to. There's one last thing I have to do. I, I want to put like a, a loft shelf up in the back. I've got the lumber and the, the plywood to do that. I just need to make those cuts and nail them in and be done with that. But I got the door hung on it. Um, like I said, the roofing's on. It's painted. It's sealed everything works, keeps the water out, bugs in basically. Yeah. It's, it, hard, it, it's, it's a work. good looking shed, man. looks great. I, I, I love it. Oh, well, okay. So what I learned was it, it's, it's not near as productive as, as what you've learned, but I have completed six of the seven Harry Potter books now. Oh, nice. I started my reading journey in April and, um, you know, I really hit it hard in April and May kind of laxed a little bit in June. 
And then I finished the sixth book and told myself, okay, now I'm going to watch all the movies, the six movies at least, before I read the seventh book. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm on now. And I've watched, I've only watched the first movie so far. I need to kind of churn out some more this weekend. I've got them all recorded on Hulu. I signed up for the the free month trial of the enhanced DVR, which means I can fast forward through commercials. Otherwise, every movie was going to be three and a half, four hours uh, because Hulu won't let you fast forward through commercials if you've DR'd, DVR'd something without paying that extra fee. So anyway, pro tip, I had all those recorded already and then I got that free month. So as long as I watch most all of them this month, I should be able to fast f- watch them all for free. <laughs> and then my plan is after I finish the seventh book, I will sign up for a free trial of HBO Max and watch the last two movies for free. Well, okay. So I, I've got the eight DVD Blu-ray set. Oh, well, I just <laughs> borrow them from you. Yeah, you can do that instead of trying to time out like all these free trials and well. But y'all are watching them too, though. Where where are are y'all at? Well, so we're so I'm gonna say we are listening to the book. Samantha's the one that's mainly listening to the book. I'll I'll listen to it when we have some. She shares some time together in the office or working on puzzles or in the car. We are Samantha is listening to book number four right now which means we just watched uh, the third movie not that long ago. Okay. So we're, we're we're finishing a book and then listening to the, or sorry, we're finished listening to the book. We watch the movie and then start the next book. Yeah, that's, that's basically, I mean, I did, I did the, yeah, I'm doing that except I did six books and now I'm going to do six movies and then I'm going to do one book and then two movies. Yeah. I, I don't know. Dude, this stuff gets intense, man. It's a, it's, it's a fun, I don't know. I've really enjoyed reading it because, and this happens every time and I'm, I'm 37, but I'm a pretty recent reader since, since I met my wife, I really, she, she's a reader and she enjoys it. And so really I kind of started doing that after seeing her read quite a bit. So I'm still pretty new to actually reading things because I only always did enough to get by. Mm-hmm. But but Same. one thing I've noticed with all this is uh, obviously in movies, they can't put everything that's in the book because it'd be 19 hours. So it feels like a movie just flies by. It's just so fast because there's so much more going on in the book and there's so many different things. I don't feel like the movies are bad because of that, but that's just how you've got to make them. So it was crazy watching Sorcerer's Stone the other day and I just couldn't believe, oh my gosh, we're already to this part. We're already to here. This this went by so I mean, you know, even though I'm conditioned to that because I've seen enough, you know, movies made on books made to movies and stuff. Um, but still, it, it just shocks me every time. But it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. It's given me something to feel like I'm accomplishing during all this crap. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I should build a shed, but I, we don't even have room for a shed. Our backyard, if, if you put your shed in our backyard, I don't know if I could mow around it. Well, you don't have, have to, to just go, weed eat around it. You don't have to build one as big as, 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 as I did. The, the, the website I got this from, I think, goes all the way down to like six by six. So you, you can do small ones. Um. I, I was looking for something that would reduce the number, like the amount of like weird cuts I'd have to make. 
So all of the plywood and the, the siding are in four by eight foot sheets. Oh yeah. So an eight by 12 shed has very little cutting to do on the, on, on those the, the siding pieces. Um, with the exception of cutting out the doorway. Do you have a table saw or did you rent one or, I had or a, do you just have I, a circular saw? I borrowed a circular saw from a friend. So wow. You not, made all those cuts with just a circular saw? Yeah. So And like a sawhorse and a vice? And that's that's yeah, some well, I, old school stuff, man. I've got four sawhorses that I borrowed. Uh, I, I did go buy a framing nailer. With, oh, yeah. For the purpose of this project, I didn't want to have to nail all, everything up together. Um with the intention, now that I've completed this project, or very nearly completed, to try to sell this thing off. Because sure. I'll probably never need a, a pneumatic framing nailer ever again. So, anybody that wants a 21-degree rigid <laughs> framing nailer, hit me up. I got you. It's yeah, brand tell new. Us your, tell us your favorite Texas Tech football, or, or Texas Tech game, and uh, whether or not you're interested in a pneumatic framing nailer. Yeah, uh, it's it's a, a month old. I've used it for one project, no jams that weren't uh, user error induced. There is a little bit of a learning curve with a pneumatic na- nailer. You know, don't don't load the nails in upside down. That's a thing. Oh, important. I jammed it in the very first use because I wasn't paying attention. Put the nails in upside down. Don't do that. It's bad. Um, Ever since then, it's worked great. Throw the nails in. Include the nails. Oh, well, let's sure. sweeten this deal. Nails are free. Free yeah. nails. So I've got two inch, two and three eighths, and three inch nails. They're, they're collated, 21 degree. They go with the gun. It's all yours. Comes with uh, the air gun, the air tool oil as well. Oh, wow. Spencer, the phones are ringing already. Uh, great, great. It'd be yours the price of however much I can get from you. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, man. So with the, I think I think we'll call that good for this week. Michael, thanks for for joining us. We will catch you guys here and again in a couple of weeks. Be sure, like I said earlier, submit your your favorite most memorable games Texas Tech history that are not the t- 2008 football game versus UT. And follow us on our social channels to be entered into the drawing to get a copy of Dream No Little Dream by Travis Hale. And with that, we will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.